Hello, Canada and the rest of the world, and welcome to the Netflix podcast, the show where we normally review the movies available to stream on Netflix in Canada. But that's not what we're here for today. Instead, I'm throwing the whole format out the window for a bonus episode. I got the chance to talk with Jed Bryan, the director of horror movie Unlisted Owner, which, gosh darn it, isn't even available on Netflix. So, since we're totally off script here, I'll just shut up and let you get to it. Well, this is entirely unexpected, but I have got a very rare opportunity to sit down with a filmmaker to talk about the movie that he made. So I'd like to offer a huge Netflix welcome to Mr. Jed Bryan, creator, director, editor, just everything you could possibly do on a movie, pretty much, uh, of the new horror movie, Unlisted Owner. Welcome, Jed, to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Man, you have been hustling by the looks of things getting trying to get as many eyes and ears on this movie as possible it is really impressive to see you work yeah just you know just got to get out there and just see what happens i mean we i shot this film in the small town i live in sumner illinois it's a it's a population of 1100 people and our closest city is like two and a half hours from us st louis so we're just kind of in the middle of nowhere so to be able to get the film out there you know you really got to hustle and grind and just try to say hey look at me you know look what i made (laughs) right absolutely so is that uh, you know where this this whole project came from that you're just kind of a you know is it's that 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 small town like we just have to make our own fun and if we're not doing this we're going to be doing something worse like is that is that where this came from, or I'm just trying to get an idea of like how this movie came to be? Because I mean, there aren't you know there aren't name stars attached to it. Like this really seems like your brainchild, and I mean by the by the vibe I got from it, like you and your friends pulling together to make this thing happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I, I went I originally went to college uh, and majored in digital entertainment game design, and I kind of fell in love with the video editing aspect of it. I always came up with different movie ideas and script ideas and uh, like things that would scare me. So I started writing some scripts and I wrote actually with the character Gavin, the actor Gavin in the film. We had written a, a script or two together. And uh, we actually made a little teaser trailer for a script I had written called Meth House. And I think we did that in like 2008 or nine. But we didn't have the funding to make the film. So um, we put made a teaser trailer and we put it on YouTube. And it didn't really get that much, you know, like push behind it. And then, uh, like the following year, we found out about a GoDaddy commercial contest. So we decided, hey, you know, let's kind of make a little funny GoDaddy skit. So we made a 30 second commercial and we got like eight out of 539 videos and for the community vote portion. So I was very, very pleased with that. So I thought, well, you know, if I've already made like a teasers trailer and I made a, uh, commercial for a commercial contest why not try to make a feature-length film so i kind of sat down and i knew like my friends that could play different characters i knew who was going to you know be able to you know have a flexible schedule enough to play these different 
characters. So whenever I sat down to write the script, I kind of wrote the characters around the mannerisms, words my friends would say in everyday life, and kind of you know give it that more natural flow. I I, I love characters have their original first names to make it a lot more easier so that you know that dialogue back and forth would sound a lot more natural so we didn't have the funds to make uh to have you know lighting and buy more expensive cameras so i decided to write a found footage style script so and that's how unlisted owner came to be right and i mean found footage uh for better or for worse you know it's got a reputation of being uh a cheap way of making movies, which I mean, horror has always been, you know, generally one of the more profitable ways to make a movie. If you can, if you can get enough eyes on it, right. You can do it for relatively inexpensive. But what I wanted to ask you about was like, with that being more and more common knowledge, did you find that it was, it's hard, it's been harder to break through because there are more people who are in that kind of amateur sort of setting, trying to make their own found footage and make their own horror movies. Yeah, whenever I uh, after we finished the film, uh, we actually finished it in 2013. So um, I mean, it's it took us about four years to figure out, you know, how to get the film out there, being in a small town setting and not having any real background as far as you know filmmaking or anything in the industry. And uh, we had submitted different film festivals and didn't get into them and stuff. So that was kind of like a sign that, you know, found footage really isn't, you know, something that, I mean, found footage sometimes has to be an acquired taste for some people. And I understood that whenever we first started making it. But it didn't really open my eyes until I did the film festivals and didn't have much success with that. And then we turned around and went out to the American film market in Santa Monica, California. And whenever I pitched the film, to different distribution companies they were all like yeah sounds great and as soon as i said the word found footage you're like uh sorry so it, it's you know it, it's one of those things to like i didn't really realize how it was like the redheaded stepchild of uh, <laughs> <laughs> of horror until after i had made the film that's challenging for sure but i mean i mean some people managed to break through i mean i i don't think it's out of turn for me to point out that you know one of your early shots in the movie is very reminiscent of blair witch you know you have the daughter with the the camera pointed yep. at her face like right up her nose terrified and yeah so i mean is it just that like is it just are they kind of out of fashion now or is well, it just like there are so many people making them because it's it's easier i'm not trying to suggest that making this movie was easy for you but i mean it's easier to do it on the cheap or with a limited budget so what do you think the barrier was for that to for breaking through i think like i said before like there there are a lot of people out there that you know they just want traditional shot films and whenever they see found footage or if they hear it's a found footage they automatically think you know well you know it's going to be some bs storyline there's not going to be any character development there's not going to be you know any you know drama or you know real scares in it and it's you know, I just wish people would give it more of a chance because sometimes I do believe it has gotten a little bit of a bad rap over the years. But if you just, I mean, it keeps getting reinvented. And I mean, just like that movie Unfriended, I think is what it was called. You know, it was all done via webcams, which is, you know, to me was an ingenious idea because you're just, you know, you're reinventing the genre, you know, every year. But yeah, I just, you know, it was just, that was kind of a struggle, though, that, you know, people just, when they hear found footage, they're like, oh, never mind, don't want it. But they don't really look at the aspect of, you know, what it takes to make it. Right. So, I mean, what do you, what is it you think that makes unlisted owners stand out from the pack? 
you know, if, if you're sitting next to, you know, three other people, three other filmmakers who have made it, who are bringing a found footage movie to the table, what sets Unlisted Owner apart? Well, I had my film described as a reality show gone bad. A lot of people, uh, <laughs> a lot of people, uh, and that's another thing with Unlisted Owner. Ours is more of a drama slash horror than just a strictly, you know, horror, you know, found footage film. I mean, there is a lot of drama. There's a lot of, you know, infighting with friends. Uh, uh, people have described the acting as very realistic and uh, it's funny like some of the reviews I've read like people are saying you know things about Gavin and Tyler who everyone says are the douchey characters in the film like like you know they're southern jerks they're douches you know why would you even want to be friends with them it's like well they were just playing a part that's not their real personalities <laughs> so so I think sometimes in found footage especially with unlisted owners sometimes people blur the lines between realism and, you know, fiction, which, I mean, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because if you make something so real and believable and it sounds so natural and this looks believable, people just think, yeah, this kid just went out with a group of his friends and just started filming stuff. And, you know, that's not the case at all because they don't act like that at all. I mean, Gavin and Tyler are my two, two of my best friends, and, you know, we get along great. We've never had fights like that ever. So it's just it's really funny to see people's reactions to it after it's came out. Right. I mean, I, I read a bunch of the, a bunch of the reviews on Amazon as well. And I mean, I want to come back to Amazon in a moment, but you know, I had that same reaction where with Tyler and Gavin, where I was just like, not that I was sick of watching them, but I was just like, I just, I wanted better for Jed and I wanted better for Griffin. Like, come on, like you don't have to be in this like abusive relationship (laughs) with these friends. Like they're not your friends. And you know, you had the, uh, you had Andrea and Heidi and they were kind of like the voice of reason that like pointing out that these two like country douche bros are are like they're not good for anybody and so I think that that's one of the big successes of your movie hearing you say it now is that these these two characters are so detestable and because the movie feels so authentic like it feels like you know because as I was watching the movie I was watching it knowing that I was going to be talking to you and I was like did this guy just like like was there a script here did he just like let his friends go and then I was like why is he friends with these assholes so I think it's like really to the credit of the script and to the characters that I thought that these were real people and I felt bad for you that in your small town this was the only option you had for friends <laughs> well that's I really appreciate you thinking that way I mean it it's it's funny because like with the script because after we edited the film, you know, and going back and looking at the script, I mean, it's, I mean, there's, I mean, it's word for word and a lot of times, you know, I mean, sure, there's a cuss word here or there, you know, but it, it's just, it's so funny because it's like, you know, this is not really how they act in real life, but people seem to think, you know, yeah, this is, you know, this is just a bunch of idiot kids that are out just filming random stuff. I mean, we even built a set for the film. A lot of people don't know that, but the, uh, the scene where the, uh, the Tyler gets is up in the attic space. That was shot in a fake room that's not even in the house. That house doesn't even have an attic space. Oh, incredible. <laughs> so and we also didn't crack the ceiling in the house. So I mean that's another thing that you gotta look at too. I mean there there was a lot of, you know, camera tricks and things like that that we actually had in the film that people just, you know, for some reason they they just think it's like, you know, just <laughs> I don't know. It's it's funny whenever I read it. Like people are like, wow, these guys are just douches that, you know, but if you, if you look at it that way, if I, if they really did act like that, there's no way I would have been able to make this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, there is this authenticity to the movie that 
it's fascinating now talking to you and realizing how much of that was actually artificially created because it feels so real, possibly even to the detriment of like, you know, me worrying about you. Right? Well, I appreciate you thinking of me. <laughs> All right, so we mentioned Amazon earlier, and uh, I've kind of been talking as if, you know, like you've already broken through and, and you know, sold this to millions of people. But um, I think it's it's no small feat that recently, I'm not sure how recently it was, but uh, you broke into the charts of hot new horror releases on Amazon. You hit, what was it, number nine? Yeah, I made it all the way up to number nine. Of the uh, We found out... I think it was like September 15, no, September 21st, I think it was, that the film was uh, going to be, the distributor got a hold of us and said, hey, you know, the film is going to be released on DVD uh, November 14th, but it's available for pre-order today. So the very day, like, I, so when I found out the information, I, I plastered it all over social media, and the very next day, <clears throat> my assistant director, Brent, he uh, had actually called me and said, hey, do you realize your film's number 14 on Amazon's hot new horror release list? I'm like, get out of here. He said, no, I'm serious. So he sent me the link, and I'm like, there we are. You know, we're on the list. So <clears throat> I made it my goal. I wanted to try to see if we could get top 10, and we got as high as ninth. And we were there for a day or two. I think we finally got ninth and somewhere in mid-October, which to me is crazy because that's like the stiffest competition for horror films is October. Right. And, and the fact we were up to ninth, and we stayed on the top 100 le- uh, release list for hot new horror releases all the way till I think it was like I think we stayed on there about 15, 16 weeks. We were on the list, like yeah, between and, yeah between 100 and ninth, like jumping all over the place. Yeah, and you weren't hanging with slouches either. I mean, that like you're you're charting up against it and uh, the latest season of American Horror Story. Like this is this is no small accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. The the coolest thing though out of the whole list, I mean, I mean, we were right there with Happy Death Day. Whenever you know they were you know getting pre orders for that, and you know since it's been released and uh, Ash vs Evil Dead too. But uh, they they did like a re release of Night of the Living Dead, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, and it was on the list. And uh, I got to meet George Romero at this uh, event called Days of the Dead. They had in Indianapolis, Indiana, before he passed away. And I got a picture with him. So it was so cool to see my movie right in front of Night of the Living Dead. And I uh, hadn't met him. That was just like, like kind of like one of the high points of this whole thing was to see like my movie right there ahead of his. Right. Oh, I was hoping that you maybe charted like right, right before you met him. And then you like rubbed it in his face and ruined his day. <laughs> I, I have been, I've been pretty funny. I would have actually, if I could have, if I would have met him, you know, if this would have happened before, then I would have showed him. But when I told him, I was like, man, you know, Night of the Living Dead is such an amazing film. He told me something that stays true to me is all I see is the mistakes. And, you know, an unlisted owner, I mean, that's what I see, like different things I wish I would have changed or, you know, did this or that. So it's just amazing how much, you know, how true that rings. So, I mean, when those thoughts bump around in your head, are you kind of in regret mode with that? Are you, does like the pride in the project supersede that? Or are you just more thinking about what's coming next and how you're going to do better next time? Um, I'm more so thinking like what I would do better next time because one thing that I, I really, really wish I could do over again was uh, maybe do a little bit more re- rewriting on the script to make it a little longer. Because whenever we shot the initial film 
and we put it in the editor and we started editing, we realized the film was only 50 minutes long. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, the first film I ever had, you know, done and it was only going to be 50 minutes. So I had put in the script a scene for road trip if needed. So I went through and I had to think about, okay, well, what, you know, what was I going to do for this road trip scene? And I had to go look at my notes and stuff about what I was going to put in there. So I actually had to write this entire road trip scene out. And we actually had to go back through and uh, shoot that scene, insert it in the film. And also the beginning family sequence was an addition after the fact as well. Originally, the film started with just us loading up to go camping. And uh, we did a, a focus group showing in Benson's, Indiana. And uh, a lot of people said they wanted to see, you know, know a little bit more about the family of five. So we went back and we actually added that scene in as well. So if I could do it over again, I would probably change it, the script a little bit to make it a little bit longer period of time in the house and what it was. Well, I mean, as it is, it ended up being, a, you know, an interesting, I, I don't know if it's really a twist at this point to, you know, start off a horror movie with different characters than where you end up. But I was definitely expecting to spend more time, I guess, spoiler warning for unlisted owner but i was expecting to spend a bit more time with that family and you know watch the you know it's like oh how's this you know I, I figured the daughter was gonna you know end up outsmarting the bad guy and then all of a sudden you know she's dead on the screen i was like oh god this is not what i was expecting at all and then this whole new crop of characters shows up yeah we kind of wanted to do like after we had did the showing in vincent's and everyone said they wanted to know more about the uh the two the two requests requests were you know they wanted to find out more about the family of five and then the other one the second most asked question which is now the first is how hot were the girls for Gavin and Tyler that's the like the oh, most God. common question I get asked <laughs> of anything and I kind of wish I would have just did like a scene at the end for the credits of where they they were getting interrogated or something like that that'd be another thing I thought about doing you know but we end up not but. But yeah, we kind of wanted to do like a little bit of an intro, like get a little bit more horror at the beginning to kind of get people, you know, a little bit of that taste. So that's the reason we did the family. Right, for sure. Um, one one criticism that I read that I'm curious about your response to was people kind of complaining that they didn't really get answers about, uh, you know, like who done it, I guess. Um, so... I mean, two two parts to that is one. I'm pretty sure that you do answer that in the movie, and two, also, I mean, do you feel like, you know, it seems like there's this big push in movies lately that people really want to have their their fan theories and they want to be able to explain everything down to the letter. I mean, is that is that something that you intentionally didn't like shot for shot explain exactly what happened? Like, were you more concerned about the atmosphere? Like, what kind of what what was your approach in really telling that story because most most of that story itself really comes from the uh the, the, the like weird kid who shows up tanner is that oh, his name tanner. yeah tanner yeah that uh you know tanner shows up and he just like knows this spooky lore about the small town and then that's really all you hear of it and you sort of have to fill in the blanks yourself as you finish the movie so i mean can you answer that criticism that i don't really agree with but i'm curious to hear your take on it well the, i do have an outline for unlisted owner too and uh, whenever I, I'd written it and I didn't know exactly, you know, how far I wanted to go because, you know, the, whenever, you know, at the end of the, I already had that ending for the end of the film in my head and I didn't want to like, you know, spoil a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, you, you go back and you watch, you know, the Friday the 13th movie, the first one, you know, and, you know, Jason's not even in it until the very, very end. And you're just like, what the hell was that, you know? 
and you just can't wait to see the second one to kind of figure out, you know, what, you know, what was that or what, you know, where's this going? So that's kind of like I wanted to do that. I wanted to leave it like kind of open for your own interpretation, you know, to see kind of like what you thought happened. That's right. kind of what I wanted to go with. Okay. Um, so you sort of left it ambiguous to almost to, to set yourself up for a sequel as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, whenever we first, after I'd written the script, I thought, well, you know, I could, you know, I could end it here or I could just kind of leave it hanging and, you know, make a second one. And I kind of got an outline for a second one. And Is that what's going to be next for you? Or do you have something else in the, in the books first? Or I guess, I mean, like you're, uh, yeah, I guess I'm curious about what your life is right now because you're clearly hustling right now to try to get as many people to hear about this movie as possible. But also I know that you're excited to get started about whatever's coming next. So, I mean, where are you at in that headspace? Well, I'm still trying to to market this thing as much as possible. Uh, it, I mean, it's only been out since November, and it's been recently made available on Amazon Prime. And I just, you know, I just want to see how far I can push this thing and where I can get it to, and like, and whatever funds, because like I said, what, uh, you know, I, this is all me. This film, you know, I funded it and did everything for it. And whatever money that comes in off of this film, I'm just going to reinvest into the next one. So I'm just kind of seeing, you know, where I'm going to be at, you know, probably by the end of this year or the beginning of next as far as, you know, what we could possibly make. I mean, I would love to do a traditional shot film. That would be my my if I could choose, that would be my next thing, because Unless Stone was actually my first found footage film that I'd ever actually written. But I have several other scripts like I wouldn't mind doing the Meth House film. Um, and there's a couple of others that I have that I've been working on that I think would be, uh, possibly good projects to just to work on, but it just kind of just depends on like where the funding would be at that point in time. Right. So is, I mean, is unlisted owner, is it like your baby that you feel like you've, you've, you know, protected and now you're trying to let it go into the real world? Or do you feel like it was more of a, a stepping stone first feature, that's hopefully going to lead to other things. Cause I mean, like you're, you're all over this thing, right? Like your name is attached to almost every credit that's, you know, that could possibly be associated with the movie, not to right. take away from, you know, the, uh, you know, the set designers and the, uh, and the special effects people. But I mean, like your, your name is on the thing. Uh, the person who's arguably the main character is you. It's shot from your perspective. You're the one holding the camera. So I, I mean, like, is, is this like a really precious project to you or do you feel like it's helping you to get to where you want to be? I feel like it's a little of both. I mean, I, I, you know, I've poured a lot of time into this film and, you know, it's from all the way from coming up with the concept of the story to writing, casting and, you know, promoting it, trying to get a distribution deal for it and everything. So, I mean, there, there's a little piece of me with it. But at the same time, I, I know that I have other scripts that I feel like would be, you know, better received, especially since they wouldn't be found footage. So this is, I, so it's a little both, you know, I mean, this is, yeah, this is my baby in a way because it's my first film. But it was more of an experiment to just see what we could do. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. I mean, I couldn't be more, you know, thrilled with, 
you know, what, what all I've been able to do. And I mean, right now I'm talking on a podcast out of Canada, which is, you know, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's just, it's amazing where this thing's taken me, but for sure, I definitely want to just keep on going and advance my career for sure. So, I mean, do you think you're going to keep doing movies, even if this never becomes the big thing that you do? I mean, you're talking to a guy who does a podcast in his free time in the evenings when he's not watching his kids. So, <laughs> so I mean, like, is it like something that is just you feel like it's in your blood or is it really like, no, we got to We got to make this work. Well, I mean, I, I would love to just I mean, either way, I mean, be able to write, act, produce, uh, you know, I mean, have someone even pick up a script of mine and, you know, make it into something. I mean, any aspect of, you know, the creativity that's in filmmaking, I would love to be a part of. For me to be able to wear all these different hats in this whole process, I, I learned so much. And I feel like it's really, really helped me kind of look at, you know, things I write in the future at a whole new perspective. Was there one job or another that you felt like really connected with you? Or do you think that you know, that the next thing that you do, you'll still want to be doing as much of this as possible? Or do you think that ideally, like you'd be writing or you'd be directing or you'd be acting? Like, is there one facet of it or another that you feel more drawn towards? Or is it more about just having this be like a Jed Bryan production? Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on, you know, what what comes along. I mean, if somebody says, hey, you know, I really enjoyed Unlisted Owner, and I would really like to see what other stuff you have. And if they want to, you know, hire me to write scripts, I'd be, I would love just to write scripts and sell them. Or if someone said, hey, you know, we really liked Unlisted Owner, what do you got? We would love to, you know, hire, like, you know, give you funding to be able to direct, you know, a film of yours or one of ours. You know, I'd, I'd love to do that. So I would say probably the, the thing I'd like the least was probably the sound effects. Okay. <laughs> because um, whenever we signed our distribution deal, uh, most found footage films, like, for instance, Record, you know, REC, the yeah. found footage film, it's it has all subtitles. And for our distribution deal, one of the requirements was an M&E track, which is the dialogue separated from, you know, the background sounds. So... With our found footage film, to make it as real as possible, everything like audio-wise, besides some sound effects, you know, like you know, some door creaks or some slicing noises or whatever, was all recorded on our handheld cams. Right. So we had no, like I said, we had no, like you know, there wasn't a boom mic operator, there wasn't any of that. So since we only had one track that had both sound effects and dialogue, we had to recreate every sound effect for the entire film. And that took us from February of last year to July of last year. So, <laughs> so, so Foley work is not your dream job then. That's, that's no, safe to no. say. No, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about sound effects and uh, like where, you know, like how to do stuff and what not to do and i found out the birds start chirping at four o'clock in the morning so try to get your night stuff done before 4 a.m and <laughs> right so so little things like that but probably one of the like the little quirky things is in the film you know i have a fictional girlfriend andrea and i give her a kiss in the film so to recreate the sound effect since i've done the movie i'm actually married and have a, actually have a baby on the way but uh, I actually kissed my wife, so in the foreign markets, whenever they eventually dub over our voices, the kiss you hear is me kissing my wife, but I'm actually <laughs> kissing another girl. So, 
I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's sweet or weird or maybe a bit of both. <laughs> I just I, a little quirky little thing because I don't know any other film that has that. It's like yeah, that's me kissing another girl, but the sound is actually me kissing my wife. So. Right. <laughs> right. So that might be a first. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of Andrea, or I guess anybody else who worked on the movie, you know, did the bug catch anybody else? Uh, like, is anybody else looking to to make movies or get into these sorts of creative projects, or is it is it really uh, just you? My assistant director uh, Brent, he also is uh, kind of you know helps me with different things, and he does his own little uh, projects and stuff. He actually uh, entered a few shorts and some film festivals, and actually he did, it was like a super short documentary, it was like a minute thirty second video that he just was messing around just trying to learn some new camera tricks and stuff like that that we can maybe use on some later projects and he ended up <laughs> getting some awards for it, which is kind of funny but other than me and him it's pretty much just us i mean everybody else i mean they're still you know involved in it and uh we're actually getting ready to do a dvd signing at barnes and noble in evansville indiana and uh some of the cast members are actually going to be down there with me since barnes and noble is one of the sub distributors of the film you can get it through barnes and noble so right. Like I said, they still have some involvement, but like I said, it's pretty much me that's still like, you know, like, come on, let's, you know, let's, let's keep going. Let's see what else we can do. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, not just, uh, not just unlisted owner, but also was it meth house? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Meth house. Yeah. I mean, what is it about the horror genre that has, uh, you know, has pulled you in? Like, was it the, just the, the. The fact that you could do it on a limited budget, you know, and still express yourself creatively, or are you like a horror guy? Oh, oh yeah, I love horror films. Uh, ever since I was a kid, uh, my mom and dad had actually used to take me and my brother to haunted houses. We always decorated for Halloween, and uh, I, uh, I actually had a VHS tape of Vincent Price's House on Haunted Hill. I had the monster movie King Kong versus Godzilla, and then one night when I was a kid, I actually snuck downstairs and caught like a part of Puppet Master Two and gave me nightmares forever. But <laughs> but I've always loved horror. Um, I'm a big fan of the classic horror films. Silent films are probably my favorite. Lon Chaney would be my favorite like horror actor ever. Phantom of the Opera is my favorite uh, horror film. But and and that's another thing in my film. There are some like little throwbacks of different you know horror films that I love. Like you know, there's a little Blair Witchiness to it. There's a, the Family of Five is actually the Roth family. I named them after my favorite director Eli Roth, who made the Hostel films. Right. Uh, that that kind of inspired me of like real life horror because you know it's a lot of a lot of scary movies. You know, it's like you know you know Frankenstein, Wolfman, you know Freddy, Jason, supernatural stuff. A lot of that type of stuff. But then when I seen the hostile films, it like opened my eyes to like a whole new area of horror of, wow, if I go to another country, I could get, you know, roped into something like this just because I make, because I'm a very, you know, I make a lot of friends and, you know, if I make a friend with somebody and put my trust in them and then I end up, you know, being tortured, you know, it just, you know, just really opened my eyes to like different things that you could take that actually scare you and put them into a script form. So was there something inherently scary about, uh, you know, like a, a local legend or a local murder that inspired Unlisted Owner? I mean, like it does have this very Midwestern feel. Um, so is that just kind of, do you think that's something that just happened naturally because of you being this small town boy from Illinois? Or is that something you were like looking to create? Like I want to make a small town Illinois 
horror movie that like feels like that's where it's from. Yeah, I I mean, I wrote the script around what I had available to me, and a lot of my inspiration comes from the area I live. I don't want people to think I don't get out and go places, you know. <laughs> but but but, uh, but with with my job, I, I mean, I drive a lot around a lot, and I just you know I think like, wow, you know, I see this house, like, wow, this would be crazy if this this and this happened, or you know, I here you know i'm in a conversation with somebody and uh, it's just something just clicks and it's like wow that happened here you know or you know this or this happened so i just kind of put you know that the house i i you know this house was right down the street from me and i thought wow this would be the perfect house to shoot a horror film in and uh well actually let me back up before that uh when i was trying to come up with like a film that I can make on a cheaper budget. The actual, the first image that came in my head was Tyler in the attic space. That was the first thing that popped in my head. And I was like, wow, that would be a pretty cool scene in a film. So then I decided like, how, okay, well, how do we get to this point and what happens after that? And then I just kind of filled in the blanks to the story and came up with the whole, you know, the storyline for the film. Right. So your, your town doesn't actually have a, some story from 30 years ago that everybody whispers about around or whispers about around campfires or anything like that. No, uh, it was kind of funny though. The day that we, uh, we did the big shoot where we had the police cars and the ambulance there and the fire trucks and everything. And we had the place roped off and the house is right on the main drag in Sumner, Illinois. And in between takes, uh, there was, because we had people pulling over on the side of the road, like on their phones, like, oh my God, you know, something happened at this house, you know, it it was just, you know, it's probably spreading like wildfire, but there was an older gentleman that lived a couple blocks away and he had actually walked across the street and talked to, and was talking to one of my actors. And after he walked off, I, it was Griffin. I'm like, what, what do you, what do you need Griffin? And he goes, Oh, you want to know what's going on? I said, well, "What'd you tell him?" He goes, "Oh, well, Family Five got murdered in there." I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> oh, no!" <laughs> yeah, and then I have uh, actually the all the first responders in the film are actual first responders. I'm right. uh, my, myself. I'm actually a volunteer firefighter, so I was able to have access to the emergency personnel. But and the police officer uh, officer Diggs in the film is that name's actually Travis Trainer. But uh, he's a, a, a chief of police. I told him what Griffin had said. He goes, oh, man, I'm going to be getting some calls tonight. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just imagining like 15, 20 years from now, there's going to be the next generation of Sumner you know, movie makers being like, that's the house. That's the house where five people were murdered. <laughs> Inspire possi- your own legend. It's a possibility. You never know. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I think we've uh, we've run through all the questions that, that I had. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to get out there? Well, um, if you want to check out Unlisted Owner, uh, you can go to Amazon.com. Uh, we have DVDs available. It's also available on Prime, or if you don't have Prime, you can watch it uh, via digital download. The film is also available through Barnes & Noble on DVD. Uh, and we're actually doing an event signing in Evansville, Indiana at Barnes & Noble on Green River Road on Saturday, February 10th from 1 to 2.30. So if you're in the Evansville, Indiana area, stop by, say hi. Uh, it's also available on uh, these video-on-demand platforms, uh, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and then my personal favorite, Microsoft Store, because I have an Xbox. So That's where I rent all my movies. Yeah, so I, I had to get it for my Xbox. And um, we also have Unlisted Owner t-shirts available. 
So if you're interested in those, we have sizes uh, small through extra large. Uh, they're $20 plus shipping and handling. Uh, if you're interested in those, uh, just message us via one of our social media pages, either facebook.com, uh, unlisted owner, or at unlisted owner via Twitter, or you can message me on Instagram at Mr. Period Jed, J E D underscore Brian. Uh, you can message me through there as well. And I just want to thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, man. This is uh, this has been my pleasure. It's a real privilege to get to talk to people who make these things. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you. That's going to be everything for this bonus episode of the Netflix podcast. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'll see you here next week, where we'll be back on format for a conversation I'm very excited to share with you. I got to talk to Courtney Enlow all about the recent Netflix original movie Gerald's Game, based on the book by Stephen King. I'll see you then.